0: Hello and welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Stan Fowler from Heritage Seminary. Good morning, Stan. Good morning. I'm here with Bob McGregor, lead pastor of a Grandview Church, Kitchener. And uh, Stan, just before we went on air, we, we were thinking about a lot of things that really should have been recorded. I don't know what else we can say that hasn't already been said in the last half hour. But uh, you're known as a, a beloved professor and um, that you have a couple of hang-ups, maybe more than one, that um, trouble you sometimes and also uh, stir up a lot of us when we learn about these hang-ups. And we want to talk about one of them now. Uh, just one. Just one. One at a time. And this has to do with the the way that Christians look to Jesus and sometimes say, as they struggle through living the Christian life, which is an uphill battle, and we say, Jesus is no good to me. Um, He did it, but he had help. He was not like me. Uh, He could resist sin because, after all, he's God. And so he's off the table, and uh, we look for mere mortals uh, for our example. And so we want to talk about that. There's some bad theology in that as well as bad um, application.
1: Yeah, it, I think there is a lot of bad theology in that. And in, in my experience, evangelicals often think of, of Jesus Christ simply as God in a body as if the only thing that happened in the Incarnation, which we recently celebrated at Christmas, was the eternal Son of God taking on a human body. Actually, that's the first heresy about Christ in the history of the Church. The earliest heresy, apparently, was what we call docetism, the idea that he was divine, but he only seemed to be human. And then in the 4th century... Um, a teacher called Apollinarius uh, taught that Jesus did not have a human rational soul. It was the eternal Logos. It was the simply the, he was the whole, that was the whole of the non-material part of Jesus. And and that was recognized as heretical and a failure to capture the full uh, biblical witness to, to who Christ is. And yet, in my experience, evangelical Christians often have a hard time really affirming uh, the reality and the significance of Jesus' genuine humanity. I, I think it shows up in in a number of ways. But Jesus, like, you're not saying that Jesus is not God. No, there's no denial here of that Jesus is God. But it is saying that he is the God-Man in in a greater sense than simply being God in a body. Um, I mean, I think in the Old Testament we have theophanies where God manifests Mm -hmm. himself temporarily in bodily form. Mm -hmm. But that's not an incarnation. Mm -hmm. That's not the same as the person of Jesus. But think about it. Uh, Now, I've, I've gotten in trouble with this in many places over the years. Recently at Christmas, almost all of us at some point Sang the second stanza of "Away in a Manger." Cattle are lowing; the baby awakes. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Really, you're going to ruin this song. I'm going to ruin Christmas <laughs> for you. Yeah, it, maybe you know in a few months I can ruin Easter for you too. But we'll we'll work on that later. Um, I grant, I granted it's poetry and so on. Nevertheless, I, I it's 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 leaving a hint that. He didn't cry like other babies. Yeah, he was cry. a perfect baby, easy to raise. Yeah, never maybe. messed his diaper, maybe, yeah. for all we know. Uh-huh. But, but then think of, think of another song that we sometimes sing here. Now, you know, Jacob is helping to record this, and, and he and I have talked about this. A um, song called The Lion and the Lamb. So we sing. Our God is the Lion of Judah. Our God is the Lamb who was slain. Now, those statements are true because Jesus Christ is, in fact, the God-man. But they can only be true because of his genuine humanity. Mm -hmm. He can't be a part of the tribe of Judah, a Jew, unless he's genuinely human. Mm And he can't be the lamb who was slain, offering his, his life, his perfect life as the sacrifice for sin, unless he was human. God as God doesn't die. You have to, you have to be a creature to die. Mm-hmm. He can't die mm-hmm. unless he's genuinely human. Mm-hmm. So, so the song is true in what it affirms, but I think it's problematic in terms of what it seems to imply. Um, about Jesus simply being God in a body. When you read, read the New Testament accounts of Jesus' miracles, he himself explains it in Matthew 12 as I cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 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 okay, Acts well, 10. why couldn't
0: he just say, hey, I'm Jesus, I, I, the, I'm greater than the temple is here. I'm greater than the temple, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So why couldn't he just say, in my own name, for crying I'll do this in my own name?
1: Because obviously he wasn't functioning simply as God. He himself said it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that he cast out the demons. Look at Acts 10 and what Peter said in Cornelius' house. He describes it. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and so he went around doing those miracles because God was with him. Acts 2 at Pentecost, he's a man accredited to you, validated by signs and wonders. In other words, his miracles were indirectly a witness, to his divinity, but not directly. They were indirectly that because they validated him as a man sent from God, yes. speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. And a part of the truth he spoke was that he is, is the eternal son to be honored in the same way as the Father. Indeed, okay. that's true, But but he was genuinely human. He understood. He became one of us apart from sin, But he understands what we experience in our battle with the testing of this life. So when
0: the apostles say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk, Jesus never said that. He never said, in my name. Right. But now that he's ascended, there is a sense in which in his name and under his authority, uh, we can do the same signs that he did. Yes. Yes. So Stan, as um, someone, as you've been involved in ministry training people like myself uh, to lead people to live like Jesus did, to walk that life, to follow him. And so are you saying that it's legitimate for us because Jesus was a human being and he limited himself, he, he, he divested himself of the prerogatives that he had, and he said, I'm going to live a life as a man, and I'm going to avail myself of the, the gifts of the Spirit, which will be for all of us, and I will live this life perfectly, and if I can do
1: it, at least theoretically, you can too? Yeah, generally. Now, I, think, I, I don't think Scripture gives us any reason to expect that the sanctifying work of the Spirit will be complete in this life. It's it's when we see him, when he appears, when mm-hmm. we will be mm-hmm. like him. But it But the promise is that in the end, we will be conformed to the image of the Son of God in his perfect humanity. We won't become gods, but we will be perfected in our humanity. And so we need to take it seriously that by the power of the Spirit— we are being enabled to begin imitating Jesus, living like him. Um, I mean, even the the whole language of the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all the nations is, we're to become disciples of Jesus. Well, a disciple in the ancient world Mm -hmm. was someone who, who was a part of a rabbi's school, understanding what the rabbi taught, imitating the rabbi's way of life. That's what we're called to be. Peter in First Peter two says, "You'll have to an example to follow in its steps." So, I, we, you and I both remember the WWJD bracelets. Mm-hmm. The what would Jesus I never got do one of those, bracelets? Like. You know, I don't think I ever did either. I'm not sure what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe that's just another evidence that my sanctification uh, has a way to go. But I. In a lot of places, uh, from preachers, from writers, I've heard I've heard criticisms of all that, and I think cheap shots. Yeah, they were trite. At it, they really were. And the fact is, we are called to be faithful, obedient disciples of Jesus, following His example, uh, imitating Christ. Uh, is is what the the, the flourishing real human life mm-hmm. is about. And if we, if we lose the truth of Jesus' full humanity, then, then we lose that, that dimension of what the Christian life is all about. Okay,
0: so we walk in the Spirit. We're told to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So does walking in the Spirit, is it helped by the example that Jesus is for us?
1: I think the way I would phrase it is the, the life of Jesus displays for us what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. And, and the point of the Spirit's work in us is to make us like Christ. So we're being transformed uh, in process into, the, into his image, as Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians. The fullness of that, the perfection of it, awaits the Lord's return when when we are fully perfected. But the the Spirit's task is to produce Christ-likeness in us.
0: But I've got to purpose to do that, right? Oh, yeah. So if I wanted to be like you, I mean, I could try, and I don't think it's... But a lot of people say, I want to be like my teacher, like my rabbi, and I'm going to watch him. And I've... I know guys who, when they preach, actually sound and look like Billy Graham, you know, and, uh, or James McDonald, seriously. Oh, I know. A lot of that going on. I, I know. So are, are, are we to say that there's something there where we say, I'm going to study Jesus, I'm going to read the Gospels and just kind of know him, and I'm going to copy him. I want to do what Jesus did. Is, is that a legitimate a piece of
1: discipleship? I, I don't see how it could fail to be that. That is certainly a part of it. I, I think, by the way, if you want to hear the perfect uh, replica of Billy Graham, it's Irwin Lutzer. Erwin Lutzer. I've, I saw him do that at Moody. At a Moody Pastors Conference, <laughs> I, I, I was at a lunch meeting of Dallas Seminary grads with Irwin, and we all walked out into a small side room, and he gave us his perfect... Imitation of Billy Graham. But I digress. I, I just want to say, before we quit, I, I want to say the, not only is the humanity of Jesus crucial in terms of his, his being, the picture, the image of what true human life is and what we ought to imitate, it's also true, as the writer of the Epistle of the Hebrews makes it clear in, in Hebrews chapter 2, that he had to become one of us, genuinely human, in order to represent us as our priest and to offer his his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, if Jesus didn't become fully human, mm-hmm. then we aren't saved. Right. It's that absolutely crucial because, I mean, that's like what Paul does back in Romans 5 when he says... Where, who we are and where we are, is all about our connection to two men, mm-hmm. Adam and his one act of transgression, and Christ, the second Adam, second Adam, and his one act of obedience. It's by the vicarious obedience of Christ, to the point of his atoning death, that we are saved. So that's how important it is to affirm the genuine humanity of Jesus. Okay. Because he became our priest, not only our example, our priest, our high priest who represents us now. He's our he's the sacrifice for our sins because he's one of what us. What are the
0: okay? I'm, I'm all in. I'm all on board with the discipleship implications of that. What are the eschatological implications? We only have one minute.
1: Uh, now, uh, who cares, right? Could, well, let's just go yeah, a little bit over time. Well, the eschatological implications are, as Paul puts it in Romans eight, God has foreordained that we will be conformed to the image of Christ. was a man. That, right, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So he's, in Hebrews 2, he's spoken of as our elder brother. That That's another biblical way of talking about him. And in First John uh, 3, right at the beginning of the chapter, John says, we, we don't know all that we will be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Yes. We'll see him as he but is. But does
0: that mean humanity? Like a lot of us think, I'm going to be like Jesus in, in that I'm going to love God, I'm going to be a righteous person. But can we imagine that we'll be like him in his flesh, in his humanity? The man, he is a man right now. I think uh, that's how scripture portrays
1: sure. him. What kind of man is he? Well, he's the God-man. But, but his, his humanity is, is the kind of humanity that we will eternally experience by the grace of God. So when we recognize Jesus as the exemplar, yeah. that is both threat and promise. Right. It's a threat because my life doesn't measure up to his at this point, but it's promise— Because what he is in his humanity is what God promises I will become by God's grace. And I
0: guess we're not too clear exactly what that is. Uh, Is Jesus going to be time and space? Is he that now? Will we be that? Uh, I know we won't be spirit. We will have bodies that were created for something better than they are now. Uh, Maybe we can't get into this right now. But for now, Stan, I'm encouraged that Jesus is a bona fide example for us in our Christian life. We can look to him. We can mimic him. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can make progress. And ultimately, we will be like him. Wonderful promise. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Thank you for thinking about this with us. God bless you. Keep on thinking.